Ignore that sound. <laughs> <laughs> so, so last week you were unavailable. Mm-hmm. So I recorded an episode with Alex. Okay. That I was going to put out uh, just as like a, you know, bonus thing. Sure. But I, I recorded the episode and then I left my computer and went to work. <laughs> and to my great horror, I forgot that I had set up automatic updates. Oh, no. So when I came back, my computer restarted and I didn't save <gasps> my recording. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I was going to call you a cheater for recording with Alex, even though I 100% agreed with it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so this actually like kind of serves my purpose. Well, don't worry, because I'm going to I'm going to go over the same shit I talked about him with, minus the me ranting about National Treasure 2 for two hours. Damn it. <laughs> I want to be a part of that conversation. <laughs> you missed it. It's gone. Sorry. All right. so welcome (laughs) to this is a show called Daske Papital, probably. Welcome to Daske Papital, probably. <laughs> uh, the something, I don't remember the tagline. It's a podcast. That's it. Yes. <laughs> we'll <stop. laughs> we talk about K-pop and leftist stuff, usually. Most of the time. So, I've been thinking, I feel like I've been neglectful of the the k-pop half of our of our show is basically just been you talking about who has sent the n-word which is basically <laughs> in the past like two months of our show it's just there's so many um <laughs> okay fair so i thought we could inject a little more k-pop and just music talk in general mm-hmm. If you and I both, every time we record, come up with, like, a recommendation or just, like, something new or interesting that we've come across. And I thought, like, to to break it up, one of us could do a K-pop song and the other one would do, like, just a random thing of music they've been listening to. I love this. I love this. It's such a good idea. You're so smart. Thanks, I appreciate it. Because I was so, also thinking, I was like, I need to bring something positive to the table. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a pretty positive person, but it feels like that's not being, like, communicated. <laughs> so I think this is a great idea. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, considering the fact that I just kind of sprung this on you without any, like, you know, forewarning... Sure. I figured I would do the K-pop one this time, and then you would just get, you know give me one, and then next time we'd switch off. I would pick a random one. You pick a K-pop one. Okay, so into that. So from for my recommendation, <laughs> I thought about this, and I could have talked about the new Itzy song, oh. <laughs> Mafia, but honestly, <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I did not really enjoy it all that much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought it was kind of bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I thought about the the new uh, what's the Jesse song, mm. which I did like. Wait, which one? Which um, the girl, the the Jesse. Looking it up. Uh, what type of X? I see. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then I thought about that and I was like, I do really like that song. Sure. There's one glaring bit that I like found myself fixating on. <laughs> which is like in the there's like a post chorus kind of uh mm-hmm. dance break thing where there's this really really god awful like diplo ass <laughs> like deflating synth sound. <laughs> The one that's like, <laughs> and I, I fucking hate it. How did I know that was gonna be gonna be it? Yeah, it's not good. Because I just thought like the rest of that song is like surprisingly instrumentally driven. Like mm-hmm. the bass that like goes throughout that song is like really good. The kind of rock bass, mm-hmm. and I just thought they could have done something more interesting. Yeah, sounding than that. <laughs> I feel like that's the case, though, with a lot of Jessie's music. Like, I really like a lot of her songs, except for, like, a couple small, like, I mean, small in, like, the scheme of things. But, like, to me, I'm like, I can't. I can't do this anymore, Jessie. <laughs> like, they could have just done something, like, really cool, kind of, like, really digitized and modulated, like, some guitar sounds oh, yeah. to make something interesting. Because, like, if there's one thing you've learned, I've learned from Tom Morello in Rage Against the Machine, mm-hmm. it's you can do fucking crazy shit with guitar sounds. <laughs> That's true. Mm-hmm. And they have the power. I, they, like, K-pop music in general just kind of, like, shocks me every time I really sit down and listen to it. Like, I feel like you have to listen to it with, like, some decent headphones. At some, like, just to, like, hear all of the different things that they do, the the sounds that they make, even in songs that I ne- don't necessarily like, like it can be very, very intelligently designed, but sometimes they miss the mark. It can be, or it can sound just like a muddy wall of shit. Yeah. Depending on who is making it. That's true. That's, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact, did you know that uh, Tom Morello is the great grandnephew of Jomo Kenyatta? No. Yeah. He's related to the founding father of Kenya. <laughs> How? How? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I have follow-up questions, but it's fine. Um, so, instead, okay. none of those are my recommendations. Right. I just wanted to go through my process. Of course you did. <laughs> Okay. I think you're going to be surprised. I think you're going to be presently, ple- pleasantly surprised. Oh my gosh, okay. Uh, I was looking through my YouTube uh, recommendation, mm-hmm. uh, which is always a terrible idea. Sure. But, you know, I saw a link and I was like, I, I've heard a lot of things about them, mostly from you. <laughs> Actually, I've heard almost nothing about them. So <laughs> I decided... I would check it out and see what all the hype huh? was about. 
Oh. <laughs> Have you figured out who it is? I think so, but keep going. <laughs> so my recommendation that I was pleasantly surprised with and I really enjoyed was Drunk Dazed mm. by In <laughs> Hyphen. Okay. Because if there's one thing yes. that I can't resist, it's a boy band pretending to be old school monsters. <laughs> okay. I have a question though. This is this mm. do you is it in hyphen? Like that's what it's supposed to be, right? In hyphen. Yeah, that's literally what it says in Hangul. Okay. That's what I I know. That's what I read, but I was like, is it It's such a bad name. Because it's it's such a god awful name. It's really bad, but also like when stuff gets like taken from English to Korean, they change the F sound to the P. Yeah. And so I was like, do I sound like a Korea boo if I say in hyphen? Or is that the actual like I've had so many like internal debates myself about what I should call them, but everybody that I've heard calls them in hyphen, so I think it's fine. But okay, I don't think it's I don't think it's supposed to be anything else. I, like, are you are you thinking are you imagining that it's supposed to be in hyphen? Yes, that would be even worse. Yeah, I can't. I, that would be even stupider than in hyphen. <laughs> okay, but like, <laughs> there are really stupid boy band names. So, in my defense. Okay. Make a fair point. <laughs> so you, oh my gosh, I can't believe you listened to them. Like, legitimately. Yeah, it was, it was, it was just a random spur of the moment. Uh, let's see what's going on. They've got some bangers. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for you. I have absolutely, like, no frame of reference or have, like, ne never listened to any of their other songs. Sure. But, like, this one felt, it was, like, very, uh, classic boy band stuff. <laughs> yeah. It, they have that like, feel. <laughs> like, uh, I got very big EXO vibes. Oh, see? Yes. That's probably why I like them. Particularly from their greatest, <laughs> their greatest era. Oh, my God. Which was them pretending to be wolves. no. <laughs> 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 Ooh. Uh, <laughs> my god it's so good what an amazing time <laughs> oh my gosh okay so drunk dazed and given taken both have hyphens in them i would just like to point that out um are you, are you <laughs> trying to like reach some kind of correlation <laughs> I, um i'm just saying that maybe you know no it's supposed to be in hyphen <laughs> But also, there's no way it's not. <laughs> okay, but I spent way too many hours thinking about it that I can't. I can't let it go now. Like now, I can't let it go gracefully because well, I've brought it up on our podcast, <laughs> beloved by billions. <laughs> <laughs> so what? I will never forgive you. <laughs> all all of the stands are gonna come after me. I'm sorry. I do like their music though. You should listen to Give and Taken. Apparently, I do too. Yes. Oh my gosh. Uh, you know, we stand the same group. <laughs> Next time, you'll have to tell me you your sound bias. So shocked. 
I still can't fucking tell who any of them are. Okay. Well, I feel like you haven't tried very hard. No. Did you look up their profile? I have. (laughs) No. Okay. Well, you have to do that. I don't make the rules. There's the blonde androgynous one. There's the the, uh, split down the middle hair androgynous one. Mm -hmm. There's the five dark haired bowl cut ones. (laughs) And that's it. Well, I'm going to kprofiles.com because that is. Oh, God. (laughs) What you have to do. Um, <laughs> also like they're all so young <laughs> every year that more boy bands come out it just hurts my heart a little bit more <laughs> <laughs> like the leader of this group was born in 2004 <laughs> but just... jesus christ <laughs> i bet you don't good. even know who saddam hussein is right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh oh my they're no they're so precious <sighs> okay this one was born in 2001 that's not 2002 oh he's an aries taurus cusp what what are you talking about <laughs> his name is jay park like the rapper. like his stage name is jay but his his birth name is jay park and his korean name is park dong song interesting he's 5'11 who are we talking about which one is this is it the blonde one well i don't he's been blonde Ugh, this is unhelpful. <laughs> he has an undercut and an earring which which one of them don't have <laughs> they all have fucking earrings and undercuts yeah well you know he's got a, a very narrow nose uh, I feel like we need to get off this track before I die. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Um, <laughs> I liked the song. I'm not willing to give any more of my mental space quite yet over to them. Soon. Maybe time will prove me wrong. We'll see. We'll see. The door is open. So <laughs> it's progress. I love this. <laughs> I'm gonna keep sending you them their songs. Oh jeez. Oh god. What's a rec- what's your recommendation? What's give me give me what you've been into lately. Okay. Well perfect enough because I have a spring twenty twenty one playlist because I make a playlist for every season. Um of what I did that when I was in like, college. Okay. I gave up on it because I'm very terrible. Well, I'm not terrible so i didn't give up on it but i have one playlist and one playlist oh my god how do you do that how easy because it's we're in the apocalypse all i need is the one apocalypse themed (laughs) playlist that i have okay well gay anthems for the (laughs) it's the only one it'll get me through it's all i need (laughs) it's a good playlist (laughs) okay well okay the name of the song that I've really been liking right now now is called Marigold. And the person who sings it, their first name is Jelani. And I think it's Aria? Aria? It's A-R-Y-E-H. I hadn't heard anything by them before this song. Um, mm-hmm. But it's really 
really good. Um, yeah. It's got kind of like a indie pop. Kind Why of. do music videos still have the Viva logo in the side? <laughs> have we not moved past that yet? No. Are we not done with Vivo? I mean, I think we are. But <laughs> apparently. Or does Vivo just secretly control everything? They've just taken their name off. Well, honestly, we can get into that because <laughs> what even is Vivo? Like, what is a Vivo? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows. We all know that name. I never knew. <laughs> yeah, because there was like that weird point in the mid two thousands where suddenly every artist was like, "Blah blah blah's name, Vivo." Yes, and I was very confused. <laughs> Who is this Vivo? Um, but yes, it's a very good song. I would listen to it. I've been trying to like intentionally support more black artists, not to make everything about race, but they were one of the people. <laughs> that i found in that exploration that's pretty cool i will check it out i've pulled up the video right now i'm gonna leave that there until i actually have free time (laughs) (laughs) sure is there anything else you had wanted to say about your song recommendations before i bring you just down in the dumps no (laughs) but like here's the thing am i gonna have to talk with my therapist about this next segment like is this gonna be something that we it's not gonna be like an adam curtis bit like it's gonna be fine okay (laughs) i'm nervous all right so i know i know for a fact that you really really loved the segment we had last time talking about green (laughs) cell yeah And I thought, you know, maybe we should talk a little bit more about finance. (laughs) (laughs) And I came upon an article from The Intercept. Here's the headline. The Bigger Short. Wall Street's cookbooks fueled the financial crisis in 2008. It's happening again. What are cookbooks? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, this is going to go harder than I thought. <laughs> I would just like to tell everyone that I am smart. I know things. <laughs> so... Cooking the books is when you basically fudge the numbers on your financial data for one reason or another. Okay. (laughs) Oh, they were cooking the books. They cooked the books. Okay. (laughs) That makes sense. Here we go. Okay. All right. I'm going (laughs) to... So I'm going to just start off. It's only when the tide goes out that you've learned who's been swimming naked. The billionaire investor Warren Buffett has famously said, during the crash of 2008, the whole world learned just how dangerously nude Wall Street was. (laughs) Now evidence is accumulating that suggests that many financial institutions are skinny dipping once more (gasps) via similar types of lending that could lead to similar disasters as the water recedes again due to the COVID-19 pandemic. 
Wow. That was yeah. unnecessarily sexual, first of all. First <laughs> <laughs> takeaway. Um, okay. Uh, I'm going to skip some paragraphs, blah, blah, blah. This time, the issue is not a bubble in the housing market, but apparent widespread inflation of the value of commercial businesses on which loans are based. Mm-hmm. Those who remember news coverage at the time know that the tale of the 2008 financial implosion involved an enormous swirl of numbers and acronyms. But when boiled down to its essence, the story of the housing bubble of the 2000s and plausibly Wall Street's actions today is simple. It's counterfeiting. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that what I said last time? (laughs) (laughs) I never did. And I agreed. I didn't say you were wrong. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well... Warren Buffett agrees with me. Wait, is he still? Is it still him, or is that? Or no, no, we're we're out. Warren Buffett just talked about swimming. Oh, naked. that's right. He was talking about nude Wall Street. <laughs> <laughs> uh, traditional counterfeiters print money, pieces of paper that supposedly are worth their face value, but in fact are worth nothing. Wall Street counterfeiters during the housing bubble printed securities, pieces of paper that were supposedly worth their face value, but were worth much less. So this is going to be this is going to be a good breakdown to explain how the financial happened the crash happened in 2008. Okay. So this is going to be simple enough that I think think you'll be okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> in in the mid 2000s companies like Countrywide Financial Corp issued so-called liar loans. Often without informing the borrowers themselves, Countrywide and other loan companies would claim that say a bartender was making $500,000 a year, allowing them to borrow enough money to buy a home that they couldn't possibly afford. The originating bank then took the loans, which could never be paid back on the bartender's real income, and securitized them, i.e. bundled them together in a trust, which was then sliced up into bonds called residential mortgage-backed securities. What? What part of that did you think was going to be easily digestible to me? <laughs> I don't know the difference between trusts and bonds. I Okay, so they made it into, they securitized it. Okay, so you've got all these loans. Yes. And then you basically pile them together. You, you put them up tight like a, fuck, what's a metaphor? Like a sushi roll. Oh, yum. Okay. So it's, you have one long tube. That's that's a trust. Is this like consolidating your debt? Not quite. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you take that long tube and you're then slicing vertically across, right? Okay. To create bonds. So rather than having one entire thing of a singular loan, mm-hmm. you're getting tiny bits of a bunch of different ones. Are these all the same person's loans, or are these just everybody's loans? No, 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 no. Okay. The trust is a ton of different people's loans. Gotcha. Slammed together and rolled up. Okay, that makes more sense. Okay, so what is the benefit of that? The idea is that because it's basically like dispersing the risk. So if, say, one of the, the loans happens to be bad, rather than one person basically taking the fall of that money mm-hmm. that's just disappeared... It's a tiny amount for all the other people, all the people who own the different bonds. So nobody is facing the brunt of it. Everyone's just kind of getting a tiny hit. Okay, I have a question and it might be stupid. Yes, go for it. (laughs) 
is this like the stock market? Kind of, but not really. It's related. <laughs> but like everybody owns, right? A little a little piece of things. And then it goes up there. <laughs> <laughs> similar. Pr- uh, the principles are similar. Yes. Okay, great. All right. I didn't ask a stupid question. <laughs> it's very smart. I'm very smart. Continue. So, so the idea, like I said, was basically that everyone, if one of the loans went bad, no one person would be ruined. Everyone would just be a tiny bit less rich. Okay. But if all the loans go bad, everyone gets fucked. <laughs> okay. So, okay. Uh, mortgage-backed securities. That's what they're called. Residential mortgage-backed securities. These securities behave similar to regular bonds. They come with a quality rating and an interest rate that they pay out each year. Mm-hmm. So these securities are sold to credulous investors, such as pension funds. These are the counterfeit paper of the period, remaining valuable as long as home prices rose, which allowed the bartender to refinance or sell the property when the payments get out of hand. Okay. But when prices stopped rising, the housing bubble collapsed, and those at both ends of the transaction were ruined. Borrowers, unable to sell or refinance, were thrown out of their homes. Many investors who generally thought that they were buying risk-free bonds, lost huge sums. But by then, middlemen, like Countrywide's CEO, Angelo Mozillo, had taken home hundreds of millions of dollars from the fees for originating and packaging the mortgage loans. Now, it may be happening again. This time, not with residential mortgage-backed securities based on loans for homes, but commercial mortgage-backed securities, or CMBS, based on loans for businesses. Mm. Great. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so um, they talk about these two guys, uh, John John M. Griffin and Alex Priest, uh, who did some investigating. Mm. Um, <laughs> they uh, they work for the McComb School of Business at the University of Texas Austin. Uh, and in a study, they sampled 40,000 CMBS loans with a market capitalization of $650 billion that were underwritten from the beginning of 2013 to the end of 2019. So here we go. Overall, they write, actual net operating income falls short of underwritten income by 5% or more in 28% of the loans. This was just the average, however. Some originators, including an unusual company called Ladder Capital, as well as the Swiss bank UBS, Goldman Sachs, Citigroup, and Morgan Stanley, were significantly worse, having more than 35% of their loans exhibiting 5% or greater income overstatement. Can you break down what that last little bit means? <laughs> so, <laughs> so the, these these nerds <laughs> looked at the numbers. Love it. <laughs> and basically, um, they looked at what the banks said about these loans mm-hmm. versus their own investigation, mm-hmm. and found that the banks said that uh, the income from these loans was way higher than what their investigation stated the income that the bank was making no no no. the income the income that basically basically the income that would be coming to the investors if they bought in oh i see okay so they were lying overstating is the (laughs) 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 (laughs)
It's <laughs> <laughs> not overstating when it's like a number versus that would me be me on a math test being like, no, I didn't get it wrong. I just overstated the number. Thank you. Please give me my point back. Like that's stupid. <laughs> okay. So they overstated the numbers. Uh-huh. By how much? Uh well, they said that 35% on uh, on average of these big banks, 35% of their loans were overstated by at least 5%. Okay. That's a lot of money. If not significantly more. <laughs> when we're talking about a lot of money. 5% is the average. So there are some that weren't overstated, and then there were some that were vastly overstated. <sighs> okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then they talk about this dude named John Flynn, who is also a nerd, but he's like an investor nerd. <laughs> Got it. Um, but uh, he has also been looking into the, the CMBS the commercial mortgage-backed securities. And since 2013, he has identified about $150 billion in inflated bonds, <gasps> inflated securities. Uh, so, uh, so what's going to happen? <laughs> great question. So he, while the other guys focus on other banks, he focused mostly on banks like Wells Fargo uh-huh. and Deutsche Bank, which has very very close connections with our dear dear friend lex greensill oh no oh no as well as the shadow bank well that sounds Matter bad <laughs> like that just sounds like maybe it sounds like the villain of a bad movie who did not try to think of a not suspicious name well that's literally shadow banking is exactly what it sounds like it's we're we're doing all the banking things but we're technically not a bank. But <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I can't appreciate honesty, I guess. <laughs> so then they do a very interesting thing, mm-hmm. which is they, they just look at a single trust and try to break down everything. Okay. So he looks at this this trust called LCCM 2017 LC26. Sexy name, I know. Oh, yeah. Isn't that the name of uh, Elon Musk's kid? Uh, it's going to be their next one. <laughs> okay. That, that one's if it's a girl. If it's a boy, they're going to name it something else. <laughs> okay, so what's this L.L. Bean thing about? So this trust consists of 57 commercial real estate loans with a unpaid principal balance of about $625 million. Okay. The trust depositor is Ladder Capital Commercial Mortgage Securities. Mm. The LCCM in the name. Uh, 2017 was the year it was created. LC stands for Ladder Capital Finance, which is the trust's sponsor and the people selling the loans. And then 26 means it's like, you know, the 26th in a series. So Ladder (laughs) Capital owns Ladder Capital Commercial Mortgage Securities and Ladder Capital Finance. Both. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, they're also well known for being one of Donald Trump's biggest creditors. Oh. He owes them at least $110 million <laughs> for Trump Tower. Good. <laughs> and a bunch of other places. I was just hoping that we'd bring him up today. Uh, well, you, you can't have a story about financial corruption. <laughs> Good old Donald. Okay. So, wait. Mm-hmm. This... 
whatever. What are they called? Ladder Capital. Ladder Capital. So Ladder Capital Finance mm -hmm. owns what? They own Ladder Capital Commercial Mortgage Securities. <laughs> okay. And Ladder Capital Finance. So... <clears throat> one of which is basically like one of them basically holds the the loans mm -hmm. and the other one securitizes it and chops it and sells it Good. they're two different businesses that just happen to be owned by the same business <laughs> 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 okay that's what i thought i was hearing but i was like maybe you know maybe i didn't follow somewhere but well you'll see okay <laughs> ladder was founded by three former executives who used to work at Dylan Reed Capital Management, which was an internal hedge fund at UBS that collapsed in 2007 after making investments in the subprime housing market. <laughs> so basically, this, the guys who invented Ladder Capital were like, we invested, we were one of the investors that got fucked over in the housing crisis. Now let's start our own company and we'll be the ones <laughs> fucking other people. We'll be the, the crisis. Crime. <laughs> so I'm really glad they got the right lesson out of that experience. 2008 was their origin story. They've <laughs> <laughs> just been like rocking from then till now. Da -da. So Ladder Capital the main company, is a real estate investment trust that produces and sells commercial mortgage securities. It's the type of non-bank financial institution that has proliferated since Congress passed the 2010 Dodd-Frank Act in an attempt to rein in Wall Street in the wake of the financial crisis. Okay. So basically, Congress was like, well, that was really fucked up what happened in 2008. <laughs> we need to really start regulating these banks. And then, oh, what just happens? A bunch of these fucking businesses come up that are like, we're not technically banks, but we do a lot of bank-esque things. <laughs> I really like the term non-bank. Um, because that can refer to anything that is not a bank. It's, it's very vague. I like that better than shadow bank, I think. Uh, so, according to the documentation for a memo that Flynn produced for journalists, he found a notable problem with historical reporting for 12 of the 57 loans in this trust. Mm. The 12 loans were worth $189 million, or 30.2% of the trust's total value as unpaid principal. Okay. Uh, <laughs> basically, he talks about how finding those... Finding the values of these things was an incredibly arduous process, meaning he did a bunch of nerd stuff, skipping, skipping. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. He basically looked into a bunch of stuff and looked at the numbers for these loans and was like, is this normal? And it was not normal. Mm. So he looks at two key metrics, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to net operating income and net cash flow, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, here we go. By Flynn's calculations, as of April 2019, the 12 anomalous loans had, in aggregate, total inflated NOIs of $2 million and NCFs of $3.29 million each. So, yeah, this makes it look much like the loans in the housing bubble. Flynn alleges that his SEC complaint that companies like Ladder Capital have an incentive to exaggerate a business's income. As Flynn explains in his memo, Ladder takes profits and fees from originating, arranging, and selling loans into CMBS trusts and then selling the securities. And it's legal? Technically. 
Okay. Flynn also alleges that in the complaint that changes in the names and addresses when loans were moved out of old trusts and into new trusts are not an accident, but suggestive of deliberate obfuscation. Mm. The correlation of names and address changes with inflated numbers is something like 95%. So these aren't accidental inflations because they're ch they're changing the names and addresses on, <laughs> on each of these loans when when they change it into a new trust and inflate the value. They're absolutely doing this on purpose. How is that legal? <laughs> How? How? All right. So are you ready for it to get weird now? <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, so now's where it's going to get weird. Good. Okay. Now it's now that was that was table stakes. Mm. Now we're getting into the weird shit. <laughs> now we're really gonna cook cook in the books. Ladder Capital does not just make loans. As its website explains, it does indeed engage in quote originating senior first mortgage fixed and floating rate loans collateralized by commercial real estate. <laughs> But it also makes money by, quote, owning and operating commercial real estate. Wait. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you're thinking, hey, that sounds weird, you're right. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> that? Okay. <laughs> so, the money for the loans that make up LCCM 2017 LC26 yeah. did not come from Ladder. Ladder borrowed the money on a short term basis uh, from Wells Fargo. Okay. I need you to, I need you to stay with okay. me. So it borrows the money from Wells Fargo, okay. and then one of its subsidiaries, Ladder Capital Finance LLC, loaned it to the companies that wanted to take a mortgage to buy commercial property or refinance existing mortgages. Okay. Then it packaged these 57 loans into the trust. Mm -hmm. But of the 57 loans, 23 of them, totaling $76 million, were made by Ladder Capital Finance LLC to another Ladder subsidiary in the real estate business, Ladder Capital Finance Holdings uh, LLP. I can't. I can't. <laughs> so then what did this what did they do with the money? Are they loaning are they making more trusts? What's happening with that money? Fantastic question. Those 23, let's get into them. 21 of the 23 loans were used by Ladder Capital to purchase properties. Mm -hmm. And in those 21, the sole tenant in these properties is, drumroll, Dollar General. <gasps> those sneaky bitches. <laughs> I was wondering how they were staying alive. <laughs> So, Ladder's relationship with Dollar General is significant for the company. During a 2020 earnings call, Ladder's co-founder and president, Pamela McCormick, stated that, quote, our three largest tenants are Dollar General, 
BJ's, and Walgreens. What? Wait, what's BJ's? <laughs> Fuck right, I'm not a city person. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a bad thing to name a store. <laughs> <laughs> so, this arrangement, Flynn contends in his memo, could allow Ladder Capital to make money coming and going. First, Ladder subsidiaries would get the fees for originating and packaging the loans. Next, the seemingly exaggerated NOI and NCF numbers for the 12 problem loans pushed down the interest rates for the entire trust, including Ladder Capital's loans to itself. Oh my god. Okay. So this is where Dollar General comes in. Great. Because Ladder Capital is paying the trust a lower interest rate on its mortgages than it would be if its cash flow and income numbers hadn't been increased, then its monthly loan services costs for those properties logically must be even lower. Mm -hmm. So if that lower cost is then translated into a cheaper rent for the tenant, in this case Dollar General, mm -hmm. then that means the store's overall costs would go down significantly, especially compared to other retailers operating in the same area. Makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then it talks to this guy, Daniel Stone, who worked for four years at, for Dollar General as a marketing planning analyst responsible for, for finding prime locations for new stores. Okay. He said that rent for a potential store was the most significant factor he would look at because rent, quote, was the largest year-to-year -year cost, noting that many stores employed only two or three full-time workers. Yeah, I believe that. If the rent on a potential location was too high, he said, the company would push back, explaining that they could only open a location at a particular price. Often, he said, as much as $10,000 a year would be knocked off the annual rent by the would-be landlord, and the store would be opened. That guy, Daniel Stone, was fired in April 2020 after expressing concerns about the way workers were being treated in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. Quote, they classify you as a manager so they don't have to pay you overtime. Uh <laughs> Yeah, that sounds about right. Although, like, Dollar General is not the only guilty party there. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense because you've been to my town. We're a town of, like, 7,000 people, and we have two Dollar Generals and a Dollar Tree. Like, how does one town of this size support that? Plus a Walmart. <laughs> Well, that's the fascinating thing. It gets over to the next bit. Moreover, the spread of Dollar General stores and stores like it is widely understood to be bad for the health of communities where they're located. They sell snacks, drinks, and canned foods, which make regular supermarkets reluctant to open locations nearby, but limited to no produce or fruit, thereby creating food deserts. Mm -hmm. Communities have tried to stop the opening of Dollar stores across the country. Uh, nevertheless, Dollar General stock has gone up almost 150% in the past five years. <laughs> and now, as tens of millions of Americans still face economic hardship and are desperate to spend as little as possible, Dollar General is trading near its highest level ever. Dollar General isn't even that cheap, though. Like, comparatively. <laughs> but let me... That's not the point of this. Uh, and then it talks about who would be hurt, which is the, you know, the businesses, not, in, not including 
Dollar General, <laughs> but like the actual businesses that are getting sucked up with the rest of these other things. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, especially if interest rates go up because of this. Um, and investors who would be fucked out, many of which are like, uh, we call those hedge funds, uh, many of whom, because of our really idiotic system, hedge funds are basically used to generate the money that will eventually be used for people's retirement funds. Mm. So a lot of people's 401ks and like retirement pensions are wrapped up in the stock market and weird financial instruments like these bonds or securities. So when this all implodes, mm-hmm. there's going to be a bunch of businesses that are shit out of luck yep. and old people. <laughs> or, yep. Okay. Good. 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 Yeah. I thought that was a little, that was a little happy time. <laughs> how, how, how do you feel about the state of, uh, the, <laughs> the state of our country right now? Well, I've never been super impressed with it. I'm going to say we, <laughs> the bar was below the floor when we started. Um, and it's, I don't know, maybe like 10 stories below where it, where it started. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I just don't understand. And, okay, I I mean, there's a lot of things I don't understand about this. But mostly what I don't understand is how regular people can um, get in significant, like, trouble with the government for messing something up on their taxes. And yet this kind of fuckery is allowed to just continue. like that that just blows my mind um and it shouldn't because i know who we are as a country but like uh, uh, oh it makes me mad it makes me i'm mad i'm mad so (laughs) (laughs) that's cool (sighs) why do you do this to me You know, I thought it'd be I thought it'd be fun. Did you think that this would be a I mean it's probably fun for you. <sighs> I really just I'd like to cook their books, to be honest with you. With a nice Molotov. <laughs> just take them down. Like what <sighs> So I have one last thing. One quick little thing that I wanted to do. Hopefully this will be if you if you if you play this right, this could be potentially uplifting. I don't know if you've noticed, but in the news, there's quite a lot of uh, protesting going on. Protesting. Not just in America, but literally everywhere. <laughs> sure. We just had, May Day was just a couple days ago, mm-hmm. and there were fucking worldwide protests all over the place. And on top of that, there's been a bunch of other shit that's been going on in the world. And I've been doing my best to keep abreast of all this okay and as such i have a little document outlining several major protests that have been going on around the world either currently or fairly recently okay so i thought 
we could do a little ongoing thing at the end of an episode where uh, we would just pick a random place and I would run through what just what's going on over there. What's going on in our <laughs> world in protest? All right. There's a lot of protesting happening. And I think, uh, you know, I think a little bit of uh, an overview of what's happening would be useful because a lot of people are just like, well, that's fucking crazy. I don't know anything about that country. <laughs> sure. Sure. As of right now, I'm going to ask you to uh, pick a number between 1 and 10, and we will just off we go and to whatever country it happens to hit. 1 and 10. Um, 4. 4! <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> 1, 2, 3, 4. Haiti. Oh. So, uh, how much do you know about what's going on in Haiti? Not a whole lot. Not going to lie to you. All right. All right. Where do I begin? Are you familiar with a man named Jean-Bertrand Aristide? No. Uh, Jean-Bertrand Aristide was is a fascinating figure in the fact that he has been overwhelmingly elected to president twice and has been forcibly removed from presidency <laughs> via <laughs> military coups. <laughs> twice <laughs> good both both happening to coincide and definitely not having any cia related doings to her during the presidencies of both bushes huh what a crazy coincidence yeah, you know, fucking weird <laughs> okay so he last time he got ousted was in 2004 after the during that time venezuela uh, had this thing going called petrocarib which was his attempt to kind of help out the struggling nations of the Caribbean mm -hmm. by basically giving them, like, subsidies on oil okay. and fuel. Jean-Bertrand Aristide was a fairly left-wing dude. And I don't know if you know this about Venezuela. They like left-wing <laughs> stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so... They were not happy with Jean-Bertrand Aristide being forcibly removed from power. Definitely not by the CIA. <laughs> okay. So what did they do? And they didn't really trust the new government. After a while, in 2017, the government of Venezuela cut off Haiti from the Petrocarib program. This caused fuel prices to just shoot through the moon mm -hmm. which naturally caused haitians to do what of course but get out into the streets and start protesting love it uh the president jovenel moise people wanted him to resign he didn't resign but he did have his prime minister resign <laughs> <laughs> i love that <laughs> he's just like fall on the fall on the sword for me <laughs> gotta be one of us and it's not gonna be me so so people started hearing word about potential the the potential that government corruption is what caused this hmm. and so protests continued and then in 2019 the haitian senate released their report of a probe that they had done investigating a bunch of federal politicians particularly the people around the president and it was looking into how the last three presidents Rene Preval, uh, Michel Martelly, and Jovenel Moïse handled the finances from the Petrocarib program. 
And its conclusion was that they had used in aggregate about two million or two billion dollars to enrich themselves and a bunch of private contractor friends whom they had technically hired to build a bunch of public work projects, none of which were ever completed, many of which were never even started. <laughs> <laughs> I is this gonna get uplifting? Any yeah, you know. So during this time, like when that, when that, <laughs> uh, when that report came out, protests went way out of control. Um, in a town in Akin, there was a massive fucking jailbreak. They literally opened all the cells and were like, "Everyone out! We're fucking destroying shit." <laughs> yes, love that. <laughs> um. There were uh, a shit ton of fires, uh, markets burned down, the building that housed the Italian and Peruvian consulates were burnt down. Well, you know, gotta go. It's fine. <laughs> uh, throughout this time, protesters and journalists were continually being tear-gassed and occasionally even killed by the police. The protests continued throughout 2020, this time kind of morphing uh, into, you know, hey, the government's fucking doing a terrible job handling the coronavirus pandemic we're gonna start protesting because of this now <laughs> and it got even worse for the government because during this time <laughs> in what i can only call the rare move of i hate them both but i'm glad they did it the police went on strike to demand better pay <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we're not being paid enough to gas and kill these protesters. We want more money for this. <laughs> we deserve compensation for being a menace to society. Thank you. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, though, this has caused the presidency and the government to increasingly rely on the Haitian military to put down protests, oh. which is, did not do great things for the whole less killing civilians part what um but eventually things died down till january of 2021 when president moise called for a constitutional referendum to allow himself one more year in office <laughs> <laughs> which started this whole carousel rolling again of protests calling for his resignation and that's where we sit today I have to tell you, I'm not as uplifted as you might have made it seem that I would be. Well, if you had said five, we would have gone to India. Well, I, <laughs> I'm sorry. You did not prep me before this happened. Okay. Well, to be fair, I don't know why I said to be fair. This That is not accurate. Um, <laughs> but I did just look up Haiti. When I just Googled Haiti to see, like, what the top stories might be. And the first thing that mm -hmm. comes up is NPR. COVID-19 death rates are impressively low in Haiti. Colon. <laughs> goats and soda. What? I... <laughs> that was my question, <laughs> too. I was like, Could that... is that really NPR? It's really NPR. And... As much as I want to read the article, I don't want that to be explained to me. I just want that to be 
all that I know. <laughs> Goats and soda. What is NPR doing with themselves these days? Well, I hope um, all the best for... Hey, didn't Wyclef Jean... <laughs> wasn't he... Didn't he... Wasn't he the president of Haiti? Was he for a second? Or did he run? For, like, <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, what? <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> he did. He ran He ran for president of Haiti. Why Clef John? As... <laughs> <laughs> Prolific member all, of the Fugees. That you remember that you <laughs> that you remember this because I've. But frankly, the fact that you remembered it as wasn't he the president <laughs> <laughs> is phenomenal. <laughs> he ran for the president of Haiti, but didn't he also like <laughs> have a foundation that like, <laughs> like basically they were like you've embezzled and probably what happened was he just was really bad with money and didn't know how to do anything but like <laughs> i can believe that I, I can believe that oh man so honestly i don't know that much about haiti except for, <laughs> except for that but i really do i hope that their their protesting works i'm pushing for them i want them to i want them to do it <sighs> Hmm. Okay, well, I'm sad and angry. <laughs> and this has been Dasuke Poppy Doll. Okay. <laughs> All right. Here's here's my promise that I I'm, this is I'm gonna try and get you on a higher higher note here. I promise that by next episode. I will have, at the very least, listened to or watched all of Enhypen's singles. Okay, you promised me something similar with a show? This is a much easier ask than, <laughs> hey, I need you to watch all of Boys Over Flowers. Okay, that's not how it went. We <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this one I could do. This one's easy. Join us next time as we talk about in hyping most least dicks. <laughs> Ooh, I'll be ready for that one. Bye. Bye.